Oh, hey there, listeners and juicers. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you have fallen in love with the Draw Your Dice podcast and want to help put some new fruit on the table, but don't feel comfortable making a monthly commitment, well, you can support the show via the ACAST supporter feature. No gift too large, nor too small. Just click on the link in the show description and know that I am sending you the strongest hug when you do so. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. And if you are going through a difficult time this winter, first of all, lots of people are. Second of all, that sucks. I feel for you. And third, I'm pulling for you. My name is Jeremy Gage. And welcome to the Draw Your Dice podcast. 
This is an educational show involving all things tabletop role-playing industry. Listen alongside me as we hear from creators, entrepreneurs, and supporters about their personal best practices, principles, and philosophies. I encourage anyone from the budding game designer to a seasoned publisher and everyone in between to sit down with us and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming to the Draw Your Dice podcast. Podcast. My name is Jeremy Gage, as you heard in the intro, but as always, it is not about me. It is about who I have brought to you today. And who I have brought to you today is a fan of many of the things that I'm a fan of we found off found uh, off mic, so that's exciting. Yay! Uh, I bring you the designer behind Peach Garden Games, helped put together the Solo But Not Alone bundle. I would like to introduce to you Kat McDonald. Hi! Pleasure to be here. Hi, Kat. Welcome to the show. I'm excited. I'm thrilled. This is going to be a blast. <laughs> well, as as always for the top of the show, Kat, would you just give a brief introduction of who you are, uh, how you present yourself to the internet, and any links or resources so people can find your stuff? Because I'd love for you to make as much dinero as possible. Oh, well, thank you. My name is Kat. I am the host king of the podcast Sword of Symphonies, where my good, cool friends playtest my game Heroic Chord, and I love them. I am the, as was mentioned, lead designer at Peach Garden Games. You can find all of that as well as the podcast at peachgardengames.com. I am... I mean, I love to do AP podcasts, so I'm about to be the choir master of Roar to Heaven, although we haven't hit the mics on that just yet. Easiest place to find me is on Twitter at CatlingGun. That's C-A-T-L-I-N-G Gun. Pew, pew. Pew, 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 pew. And that's where we're at. Uh, Choir choir master is a very good game master term. I like to have dramatic ones. (laughs) Yeah. Um... Additionally for the show, Kat, would you just also give a brief lineage of how you got involved in tabletop role-playing games, maybe even how you got started in actual play space, and just kind of that. What are your RPG touch points? Yes, yes. So like a lot of folks, I guess like a lot of folks my age, I first got into D&D in third ed in high school. Had a friend who introduced us to third ed. My first character was an extremely embarrassingly anime elf bard. No regrets. I first got into tabletop design because a friend of mine needed help playtesting a system he was building. And I got so hooked on the playtesting process and the problem-solving component of the idea that the way you change the rules would change the way people acted when they were playing the game was just absolutely intoxicating to me. And so I went from helping my friend make his first game to actually helping with the design of said game to co-designing with my friends to eventually taking on solo projects years upon years later. I first got into APs the same way a lot of people get into APs. Well, I really like the adventure zone, but a Mm -hmm. bunch of friends and I were sitting around the table saying, Hey, we're funny. Hey, we're funny. Let's record ourselves. (laughs) And that became the, the actual play of invisible sun called truth hidden among hearts which you can still find but 
COVID derailed us because we were recording in person. And then I started Sword of Symphonies to playtest my game Heroic Chord and combine my love of playtesting with my love of actual play podcasting. And that's been running for years. We've won awards, but it's great. You're great. It just clicked for me that Sword of Symphonies is your actual play. What? Really? I was like, your voice sounds so familiar i just did not put two two yes yes absolutely i i told you i like heroic chords and i like wanted to see how the game was played because i also like final fantasy inspired things in the works yay i'm so glad to hear that you're enjoying it the team will be glad to hear it too amazing well thank you for thank you for sharing that with us so we have quite a few things to talk about today Mm. i guess the first one sort of being a kind of game about game design a show about game design let's let's sort of talk about heroic chords and and blazing hymns since those are the most prominent on the and peach garden games like overall right so when did you sort of like start peach garden games and like how was what was like the sparking interest for heroic chords and the and how's the process been for the actual play and the creation of the game goodness let me think because i remember that i started writing heroic chord because i was bored out of my skin I worked graveyard shift surveillance at a casino, which is all well and mm-hmm. good, except casinos aren't 24 hours here. So <laughs> mostly I didn't do anything professionally for quite a while. And I absolutely mm-hmm. needed to engage my brain on something. So I dug up my college hobby of game design and I started writing Heroic Chord. And It was kind of based on a setting that I had written for the game my friends and I designed way back in the day, where there were these magical landmarks and the magic you could use depended on where you were physically in the world. And that's not how a heroic chord turned out, but that's where the Daleths Mm -hmm. came from, the idea of these divine Mm -hmm. magical Mm -hmm. landmarks that have had an impact on the shape of the world. A heroic chord takes place in a world 100 years after a cataclysm. The mountains in the middle of the continent melted and obliterated much of society. And now the world is beginning to recover and try to find out what shape it wants to be and defend itself against the mistakes of the past, which come back in the form of horrors, which are like Mm -hmm. basically evil spirits that are tied to the continent's memory of war and violence. Mm -hmm. so it's a it's a peaceful game and it's a cozy game, but it's also in a lot of ways very much a dark fantasy, which is kind of my aesthetic. Yes. Has a little bit of like a Kingdom Hearts energy in it as well, kind of thinking about the the Heartless and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Right? Is that what they're called? Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't just thought of that. But I'm not saying that was an intention. I'm just yeah, like, I know. <laughs> interesting parallel. But I uh, my favorite Final Fantasy is twelve. And so, like, you can very nice. much see, like, you can picture most of Amilta as a map in Final Fantasy twelve because that's yeah. very much the vibe I was after. Yes, yes, yes. The city of Ivalice, just so good. Yeah, my favorite so far, I've been playing Final Fantasy fourteen recently since Endwalker has come out. Mm. Uh, that's the name of the expansion. And I just, I love the game. I'm a big fan of the MMORPG genre. I like the direction they went, like taking influences in and out of Final Fantasy XII to rebuild that game. So it was was very, Uh, very cool. 
See, this is the first person uh, who successfully made me want to play 14 because I don't, I'm, I'm petrified of playing games with internet strangers for, I think, valid reasons. Yeah. And, but like, absolutely gamers, right? Am I gamers. right? <laughs> but recently I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter and the Monster Hunter oh, online cool. community is extremely helpful and wholesome so because nice. it's, it's exclusively co-op. Like, Mm-hmm. There's no verses in Monhan. Yep. So it's kind of been slowly building my courage to play games with strangers. Aw. Yeah, I if anything, Final Fantasy XIV has a very curated solo experience in terms of the storyline oh. and solo questing. And you don't have to interact that much with others if you don't want to, but have you ever been to an in-game nightclub? Because that is cool. I have. <laughs> and okay, that the amount of actually... work people will do to dress up and make a house is sick. <laughs> that sounds like a a real good pitch. I'm going to be honest with you. That's a very excellent pitch for 14. I might have to look into it now. You got me. Yeah. Anyways. So you had this setting for heroic chord. And one thing I really liked about the game is how you sort of worded the quote unquote stats, the facets of the game. And you even give like a brief explanation of like, why do you call them fast? Like sort of like a director's cut paragraph of like, I call these facets because X, because it it doesn't prevent you from being like in D&D, how you have strength, intelligence, wisdom, all that. The classic six, having a low score in that has like some weird baggage of Having a low score on like intelligence has some weird baggage of like saying like, oh, you're not a very bright character. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not that's not necessarily true because you've been surviving as an adventurer <laughs> forever. So you have to have something up there right. going on. So, yeah. Was that sort of like the intent of facets? Was it just to like get away from the trappings of like stats as a uh, physical decision for characters? Yeah, very much, actually. When I was first writing Heroic Chord, the very first drafts of it was among the first time that I was being exposed to the idea that ableist language didn't start and stop at the arsler, that considering smart better than stupid, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. was also ableist language and that there's a lot of baggage in our language And in the way we consider intelligence, that is kind of explicitly ableist. And the more I thought of that, the more I realized I wanted a stat line that didn't have an intelligence stat. And so I racked Mm -hmm. my brain. I remember I was at, okay, well, I went to Mystic College at the time. I was also going to Mystic College at the time. And I remember sitting there just absolutely racking my brain for different ways that I could express ways in which people are different. Because that's, that's what a stat line is. Meaningful ways right. in which one person differs from another person that doesn't include relative intelligence. And kind of the more I thought of it, the more I was like, well, actually, if I shed strength, because I think any weightlifter will tell you there's no such thing as this person is stronger than this person. Mm-hmm. Like this person has a better deadlift. This person has better squats. This person can bench more than that person. But it's not going to be universal across the board, even at a very high mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. And so I, I eventually hit on the idea of the facets in Heroic Chord, which are daring, adaptability, subtlety, sensitivity, and understanding, 
which are ways in which a person prefers to solve their problem. So like a person with a low daring is not necessarily a cowardly person. They just don't solve their problems with direct action often. Mm-hmm. It's not their preferred way to do things. And this way, like understanding is not an intelligence stat. It's just a measure of how your character prefers to use what they know in a situation to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. So in the logic of something rather than like your deep seated knowledge of it. it's like in the moment versus like encompassing all your scholarly pursuits. Right. A character with a high understanding could be somebody who observes the logic of a situation, assumes it will behave logically and conducts themselves according to that logic. Or it could be a scholar who has a deep wealth of information on many subjects Mm -hmm. and applies that to their life to solve problems. Both of these are characters Mm -hmm. with a high understanding because both of these are characters who use understanding to solve problems. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't until the first play test when my dear friend Kirsten was playing a character who used a cane that I realized that, oh, in a game without a strength stat, you can have all kinds of heroes now. You can mm-hmm, have heroes mm-hmm. who need mobility aids. You can have disabled heroes. And there's nothing in the stat line that penalizes this. And mm-hmm. I wish I had thought of that when I was designing it. I'd love to say that was my intent. But it was something I realized thanks to my friend and something that I treasure a great deal about the game, actually. Wow. That's oh. awesome. I, I I totally agree. It really prevents the thing, you know... I think the traditional six have this weird production and there are so many people who fought against the grain of like what the six sort of like the six common stats like traditionally show up as like the hero you design based off these things. There have been so many actual plays and so many people of different representations that have come Mm -hmm. to space really challenge like, sure, I have high strength, but that doesn't mean that I can't be in like a wheelchair or something to that effect. But I love that you sort of like found this place of like, if we take away the physicality language of the traditional six and kind of like shift them into something else that is a little bit more nuanced, complex and pushes a little bit more towards like personality and what's the other word? Sort of like, sort of like identity in a way, Mm. like, I identify as a person who has good understanding or who is daring or who has like sensitivity, right? This is, this is how I like kind of cope with the world uh, at large. And that can come in a lot of physical forms. Whereas like with the traditional six stats, your physical form sort of gets decided either directly or indirectly by how those numbers are placed. So I love it. I love that facets is the word that you use for them. I love the facets mechanic in general and the sort of like implied character creation of it. And I I think it's a, I think it's a triumph for sure. Cause like we've got characters in sort of symphonies like Cobb is explicitly extremely huge and buff. He's just a big dude, but that was Nick's Mm -hmm. decision. And that's just something Nick was able to say. That wasn't something that we had to do math for. Like, yeah. Yeah. Nick just said, by the way, my character's huge. And we were like, yeah, okay, cool. We've yep. got a, a recurring NPC who is autistic. She's mm-hmm. mostly nonverbal. And like, I've statted Lily up. She's extremely good. <laughs> like, <laughs> but because there aren't, there aren't stats that govern how you relate to people. 
Mm-hmm. Which means, yeah, she can relate to people as much or as little, usually as little as she likes. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. Um, something that people are free to do, and that makes me very happy about the game. Actually, it makes me happy, honestly, and is is something that I've I read Heroic Chord probably maybe four months ago. I picked up for the first time about four months ago, I believe, because I was oh. on the search for like games that are like Final Fantasy and. It came up in an article or something like that. Oh. Along with like Ryotama and, and everything of that nature. And they um, had the audacity not to link me, me to this article? They had what? the temerity <laughs> to not link me this article? Okay. N- I'll have mind. to find it. Yeah. It was like top five yeah. games, like a like top five Final Fantasy tabletop games or something like that. Some like okay. probably like auto-generated thing. Yes, yeah, so I'll have to find that for you. I'll scour my itch analytics, see if I can find it. But Okay. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. No, you're good. It's just inspired me to like think about attributes, stats, because currently I'm working on a very like trad fantasy skirmish game, like kind of like modernizing uh, what we think a like grid battle map game is, my intent yes. anyways. And at first I had things like, you know, might and speed and stuff like that. But after reading Heroic Chord, I was like, well, stats can't should be something that's a little bit more like personality driving and can help influence role play beyond being, you know, the ablest language of of smart versus stupid or or whatever the word happens to be. And I really like I'm using right now the sort of like color philosophy of Magic the Gathering as inspiration. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yay! Finally! I have someone else who loves color theory. I've played uh, not in the my way of fair painting, share of magic. Way- yes. Oh, I love it. Yeah, my yep. I have drives as like part of your rolling, forming your dice pool. So if your drive is like with action and with freedom in your heart, then like you roll red or in this case, it's mercury. I am also delineating them to like planets. So you roll mercury to do that. But yeah, I think that even in a combat game, you can get away with not having to do physicality of stats, but more of how does your character choose to approach conflicts or crises and mm-hmm. have those be adjustable and fluid, excuse me, as you engage with different conflicts and, and crises throughout the game. So that is, you will definitely get a mention in the, in the final quick Aww. start product. Yes, that sounds, that sounds excellent. I'm also, I've, I may have mentioned earlier offhandedly that I did go to a mystic college. So <laughs> tying it tying it to the planets is something that I at least understand on maybe too deep a level. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, just to learn a little bit more, but I mean, I don't know I don't know what that is. So would you would you be willing to share what mystic college is? Yeah. I have a diploma in tarot reading from the Northern Star College of Mystical <gasps> Studies, which is a real institution wow. here in Edmonton. <laughs> And I had the most wonderful time there. Genuinely. I realized that I love, I have a big, big, my favorite pet subject is the occult and Mm -hmm. particularly divination. If people have used something Mm -hmm. to try to tell the future, I've probably studied it and I may have practiced it. I love Mm -hmm. it. It's just a, it's kind of a, 
a history of the world's anxieties divination as long as people have mm-hmm. existed they've looked to the future and been like oh crap i don't know what's going to happen somebody anybody any object any person please tell me what's going to happen in the future Mm-hmm. And so the history of the occult and the history of divination particularly is a big passion of mine. And I realized I didn't have any friends who understood it. So I mm-hmm. decided I was going to go to tarot school. And I met hippies, hippies, like people who made me <laughs> look like the rock, just hippies. And I love them. They're wonderful, wonderful people. They use the word universe unironically with a capital U, and that took some getting used to for me. And I did have a reputation among them as being the academic, which was kind of not what I was there for, but (laughs) I had a wonderful time. (laughs) (laughs) Made some really beautiful friends. Did actually learn some things about tarot, despite having been practicing tarot reading for a long time before I went to school. I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. I met great people. Mystic College was a blast. It was weird, but it was a blast. <laughs> I love that's amazing. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Do I go to Mystic College? I love I'm also a big fan of like the stars, a plant, sort of like, I don't know, just like the haha, the mysticism of yeah. the greater universe and you know, what are what are our roles in it? It's good. It's good. It's good conjecture. I could, we could probably spend the next 40 minute, 40 minute minutes, 40 minutes getting into that, but that might be just what broadened makes us stronger as friends later. So uh, happy to get into that with you. (laughs) Absolutely. And the sort of second game you have that's prevalent on Peach Garden Games is also Blazing Him, uh, which is a now Symph, Symphnogear. Symphnogear. Symphogear is a love letter to Symphogear, which I've seen, I think I've seen the first two. They're not, they're they're all, they're not necessarily all seasons, right? They're they're all seasons, I think. They're all seasons. Okay, cool, cool, cool. We call them seasons anyway, but. Great, cool, cool. Uh, I've seen the first two (laughs) seasons of that. I know there are like six, but you know, is it just, you know, you saw, you were like inspired and you just wrote Blazing Him out of, out of nowhere or like, sort of what is the, what is the story behind that? I love Sympho Gear. It's one of my, well, I love idol anime in general. I also love magical girl anime. Mm-hmm. So Sympho Gear mm-hmm. is kind of in this weird Venn diagram between idol anime, magical girl anime, and mech anime. Mm-hmm. Like it has mm-hmm. the tone of a mech series. It's, I came in for the mech part. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's got the tone of a mech series, but the structure of a magical girl series and the the musical attention to detail of an idol series and i love it Mm -hmm. it's just pure alchemy for me i adore it and when (laughs) when frame hit kickstarter i wanted it badly because i was like this is about mech suits i could make symphon gear but then frame didn't happen for for reasons and i was sad i would love to hear that spencer i have told spencer this a couple times (laughs) I needed to make sure Spencer knew that I was in love with frame (laughs) and that, but then frame became lumen. And Mm -hmm. as soon as lumen was in my hot little hands, I was like, I can make this into symfo gear. And I did. (laughs) (laughs) And I did with a vengeance. (laughs) So it was very much like I, I have been wanting to, to capture this kind of like high octane, aggressive, very like tactical teamworky combat that's featured in the mm-hmm. show 
And also mm-hmm. just like, I, I like the music a lot. It's very good music. I have, uh, I have been coming to really appreciate the music in shows a ton. There is a mm-hmm. video that I watched of analyzing the You Say Run song from My Hero Academia and mm-hmm. how in the first episode you hear like little melodies of it played in different like emotional tones. And I'm just like, that's so, um, that's so cool that they like slowly ramped you up to this really climactic musical moment in in the show by presenting little pieces of it that you're hearing on the wind. And then like, I don't know, it's just like in your system at that point. So I really have a huge appreciation for music, not just in anime, but in like shows or, or movies. I really loved the, I don't know if you've seen Arcane, but I really loved the, I haven't yet. um, sort of like music video essence of the music that was in, in Arcane, or at least like the big songs. So that was really cool. But yes, I've I've very much come to appreciate music and shows. Oh, yeah. One of the best things about the music in Symphogear is that it is diegetic. They sing to operate the gears, which means that they don't use the studio version of the songs for the show. They record a version of the songs that has like grunts of exertion and battle cries and stuff in them. And that's a wild attention to detail. So many shows would just like paste on the studio version pretty as you please yeah, and just take like a music video approach but the music's diegetic so they re-record it so it's diegetic and i love that (laughs) it's so good it's good i'm gonna have to get back into it i started watching uh gundam double o again today so i'm on my mech fix for the year and so i i gotta put simpho gear in the in the in the list yeah i think you've Normally, when people th- say they're going to pick up Symphogear, I do have to warn them that it is upsettingly horny. But you've got through season one, which <laughs> is by far the horniest season. Once you get through season one, you're pretty good. You're pretty much clear until the transformation sequence is in season five. But if you've survived season one, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm immune to the horny. <laughs> what did yeah, I watch? You watch enough oh, anime Wars. and it does kind of slide off you. As huh? horny as I like. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Food like, oh, was interesting. a lot for me. All right. Let's get to the next part. My first, my first anime that I ever watched, I was seven. Two of them, two of them were like happening simultaneously. I was watching, uh, Romna, Romna one half, Romna yes. one half and Project Aiko. And my dad always got the uncensored versions from Blockbuster. I don't know how he did that. Or maybe Blockbuster never had them censored. I don't know. I was very young. So I don't, I didn't really understand how like, blockbuster was parsing animated children (laughs) but uh, but yeah ever since then like you know partially that was my sexual awakening but then also after that it was i was fine i was like oh wow we're just all beautiful human bodies this is fine they're getting into the mech i get it i feel like i feel like if you watch rama one half and you don't learn something about yourself sexually you're doing it wrong yeah Cause like I'm asexual I, and I was not really attracted to anyone in Rama one half or any of the uh, concepts. Yeah. Which should have been a red flag for me for being asexual because <laughs> Rama one half is, I think like, how can I put this? Rama one half is a freaking buffet of sexualities. 
Yeah. Like yeah. whatever you're into so and many. whoever you whoever you are as a person, because obviously a lot of people credit it with trans awakenings as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's something for you in Rama one half. <laughs> but it's not like explicitly horny most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Just like one one love interest character, the the samurai guy. Yeah. Yeah, he was a douchebag anyway, so there's that. Yeah. He's the pits. I love him. He's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the pits is good. <laughs> I think if I remember his name right, he's the worst. <laughs> I love him. Yeah. His name is the pits. That's as, that's as much as I'm he's just that, He's just the pits. Then I think my when I was very, very little, I remember seeing Astro Boy. But the first mm-hmm. anime that really mm-hmm. stuck with me was Sailor Moon. Yeah. I loved Sailor Moon. I loved Pokemon. I, uh, I still love... Like, I haven't watched the Pokemon anime since I was uh, the correct age to watch the Pokemon anime. So I couldn't tell you what's <laughs> Quote, going on unquote. in it now. But I can tell you that yeah. I was just obsessed with it as a child. I, I watched all... I played... Up until the the new Gold and Silver came out, Heart Gold, Soul Silver. That would have been oh. college of 2012. And I think I yeah. watched all the way up to the, uh, what was after the Johto region? A Sinnoh? Hoenn. Yes, the Hoenn yeah. region. Thank you. That's That was the last series I watched. <laughs> I have, I've never skipped a Pokemon generation. <laughs> like, I've fallen off watching the show. I will, I've played the game since I was 10. <laughs> Constantly. I won't stop. I will never stop. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's love it. that's so good. Yeah, Pokemon was also a really big anime for me. I, I, also, I think that was also around the time I started like getting Ranma from there's another what else did I get uh, it's gonna bother me there's like an, another like woman uh woman lead centric anime that I was watching a ton of I'm very happy about my anime choices when I was young I'm very proud of the person I am and I think it's Let's mostly see. due to the anime I watched so I'm very what's happy the, about what, that what's a harem series that was contemporary with Ranma one half Tenchi Muyo Tenchi Muyo was also something. I actually just tried to watch the dub again, like yesterday. I don't know if it holds up. I don't really love the voice (laughs) acting. Oops. Oopsies. (laughs) Whoops. I was like, I was so enamored. I was like, oh my God, Tenchi Muyo was so good. Because I really, I think I really liked like Ryoko's voice for the dub for whatever reason. Hmm. And the, the inflection of it. But then when I watched it yesterday, I was like, oh, these lines are not good <laughs> yeah i've got a know. hazy memory like of one this. of the ovas and that's it yeah very yeah. hazy memory. i think it probably gets better in like war of geminar or whatever that is but anyways oh, yeah. the strength so into anime space this becomes an anime podcast yeah uh cat thank you for sharing my love in uh all these nostalgic <laughs> animes I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan I'm um, uh, actually a big, while we're on the anime, a big inspiration for the tone of Heroic Chord was also 90s fantasy anime, like Record of Lotus War, and kind of most mm. importantly, was Magic Knight Ray Earth. Yes, Magic Knight Ray Earth. Cool. I, I guess I, I also, also had a class, like one of the classes in Heroic Chord, the Windswept Cavalier, 
basically uh-huh. popped into my mind because I am obsessed with the few seconds in the Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant opening sequence where they're riding on Pegasus. <laughs> Never happens in the anime. Happens for a couple seconds in the opening. I'm obsessed. <laughs> I was like, I need a mounted archer on a winged creature in my game. I need it. <laughs> That's I've never heard of a playbook or a class designed <laughs> over a five-second concept. <laughs> five-second concept that does not appear in the anime. <laughs> I can't make yeah, this clear enough. It's very good. It's only in the opening, but it's so cool. <laughs> I was going to say something else. I don't I, – I can't seem to remember if there is any, like, mech in – in heroic core, but for some reason, Escaflone also popped in my brain at, at one yeah. point reading it. That kind why. of like nineties pastoral fantasy yeah. vibe. Yeah. Is, is in Escaflone as well. Yeah. Also one of the first isekais for all you youngins out there. Absolutely. <laughs> know um, your history. Know your history. Uh, <laughs> Amazing. I and I also really like the sort of stylistic wording of Blazing Him as well. The you know, all the concepts of gain and volume as as the stats and, and everything of that nature is very, very cool. I think you for both anyone who's listening to this, I think it'd be a really good case study to go like check out Blazing Him and Heroic Chord for Kat's writing style because I think you took a lot of dedication to find words and language that really emulate the exact feel of what you're like. I think you've hit, in my opinion, I think you've hit everything on the head as far as like the yeah. message of your intent on those. So it's very, very cool. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think it's a good writing example. They're also very different games because most of my games yeah. are like heroic chord. They're kind of gentle. They're like 5% conversational, um, but they're mm-hmm. mostly kind of like a chill, gentle, optimistic vibe. And then I'm writing a Lumen game for the first time and they're all action. And I'm like, what am I going to do with a game that's 90% combat? <laughs> how, is, <laughs> how is sweet, fluffy, friendly cat going to write this game? And it was like, it was legitimately challenging for me to write Blazing Him because mm-hmm. it's totally so different from the rest of my work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But what a great exercise to sort of like get out of your comfort zone and and really like stretch, you know what I mean? And I think oh, you yeah. did it. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, uh, I'm glad to hear that. I really am. sort of like transition transition gears here and let's talk about like actual plays and putting those together and you know so i guess the first point of order because i know you're working on something that we'll talk about in sort of like the second half of this but how was putting together sort of symphonies like how how was building that actual play what lessons did you learn as you had more and more seasons under your belt well the the first thing that happened was i my dear friend kirsten moved away she made the incorrect choice to go live in a different city, in a different <laughs> province. And uh, if you're listening to this, Kirsten, I do not forgive you. But I was like, I still want to I still want to be in contact regularly. So I think I'm going to start a podcast because that's famously 
the backstory behind my brother, my brother and me Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is starting a podcast as an excuse to stay in touch with loved ones. So I hit up my old friend, Nick. Nick was like, hey, we should we should ask Kathleen to join us. And I was like, oh, yes, we should ask Kathleen to join us. And uh, we asked Kathleen and Kathleen was like, okay, but I would really like to edit because I would like to get like some good portfolio pieces as a, as a sound engineer. And I was like, sure, you can do that. Absolutely. Please do. And so I'm very lucky because the, a friend from my old, old, very old, like something awful forums days happens to be a professional sound engineer and a damn fine one. Yes. So I'm very lucky that Sword of Symphonies has the beautiful sound it does because Kathleen is a mastermind, genuinely a wizard. And I think that we make a very beautiful podcast in no small part because of her work. She's incredible. And so, yeah, I reached out to my friends. I was like, let's let's do this. Let's record a game. I didn't have reliable recording equipment at home. So I mm-hmm. would rent space in the sound booths at the Edmonton Public Library. So mm-hmm. after work, I would go to the library. I would go to the sound booth. I would get on Skype with my friends on a library computer, and we would record an hour or so of gameplay, including mm-hmm. memory time. I love memory time. It's very important. Uh-huh. And then eventually, uh, Kathleen sent me a microphone. Thank you, Kathleen. <laughs> Kathleen <laughs> sent me a good mic. So I can record at home. And we learned a lot about recording. Kathleen has taught the three of us so much about the act of recording a podcast. I've learned a lot about promotions, which is something I'm extremely bad at. But when I'm doing it for my friends, I feel a lot more comfortable. Kirsten has gone to school to become a voice actress. She found that she loved being on a podcast so much that she wanted to do more voice work. Like... I think the biggest thing we learned is kind of what our story looks like because every actual play is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But when we first started out, I was like, geez, is our pacing okay? Is something happening? Is this dramatic? <clears throat> and now that we've been at this for a couple years and we're on season two, I can say, well, sort of symphonies is slower paced than a lot of actual pay- plays. And There are a lot of listeners who've explicitly said that they like that. (laughs) So I've learned to kind of stop worrying about what other people's podcasts sound like and to focus on what makes sort of symphony special, which I think Mm -hmm. is the kind of chill, cozy vibe it has, even when it gets into dark fantasy or horror territory. And I, what's really interesting, especially about like the pacing part of it and sort of like closing or putting your blinders on to the, the the greater sea of actual play content out there. I think it's, hello, yes, you might hear a dog noise every once in a while. I think my partner is taking a shower and our dog Don is being getting upset. <laughs> they do that. <laughs> they do that. But in what you're mentioning about, about sort of like the, finding the style of your show and how it sort of like doesn't follow the traditional trend of actual plays. I too also really enjoy a slower paced actual play, shorter, tighter actual plays that, you know, I think critical roles, its own beast in terms of actual play content. And I really don't think it should be the marker for a lot of shows I think Dimension 20 does a great job at 
doing the sort of longer actual play bits, but also they're, you know, comedians and they're breaking the fourth wall and they're like, you're watching people have a really good time, whereas Critical Role is this very like epic storyline and and touch points. And I'm not bashing on anyone who enjoys those things, but as far as like Mm -hmm. content creation for me, I love just like an hour's episode, something like a Netflix like style length and also things that are just like a little tight and things are happening and the story is rolling along. And I think as long as there's forward momentum, it doesn't matter to me how long it takes to get there. So long as I feel like there's a, a, a movement to the actual play where in some episodes of Critical Role, it really feels like nothing happened in the game for four hours, which is real crazy to say. Yeah, I love it. I think Sword of Symphonies is is also a great actual play. I think you're just overall putting together a really cool team and a really cool amount of of content that is a great example of slow and steady is great. It can be great. You don't have to like throw spaghetti at the wall all the time. And I think you've hit on something that's very, very important to people who want to do an actual play because a lot of people who want to do actual play are inspired by the big names. They're inspired by Critical Role, by Dimension 20, by the Adventure Zone. And like, forget it. Like, you're not going to be Critical Role. And I'm not just saying that because they're like, they've got a studio behind them and they're professionals, but also because they're them and you're you. And that's important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You are going to do much better work if you focus on what your story looks like than if you try to imitate someone else's every time. Yeah. Like I love the I, adventure I zone. Agree. I couldn't be the adventure zone. I'm, I think the closest I've come to tonally imitating a, an actual play I like is the broadswords. Mm-hmm. But even then I, I'm never trying to mimic Victoria Rogers. Although if I were mistaken for Victoria Rogers, I would take that as the highest compliment. Genuinely. She's my hero. <laughs> But but it just kind of shook out that the story I wanted to tell was something very similar, something soft, not quite, I'm not quite as epic as the broadswords, I think is the biggest difference. But Mm. something soft, something very fantasy novel, something with with kind of a gentle pace where the comedy happens if the comedy happens, but we're not comedians and we're not trying to be is that's where we landed. But if you're doing your own actual play, do your own actual play. Take inspiration from shows you like, absolutely. But like, who are you and what's your story look like? That's way more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't need to be action, dynamite explosions and silver yeah. swords swinging. It can be campfire that and is your vibe. songs and, you know. Yeah. Just beautiful. And, and that's the thing. People who want high octane epic action will find those podcasts and will love them. So if that's your vibe, do it. People who Mm -hmm. love cozy campfire stories will find podcasts that are like that and love them. Like we've got a lot of listeners who like to listen to sort of symphonies while they're doing things like knitting or sewing like that. They find it's just like a nice cozy podcast to listen to while doing crafts. And I love that. (laughs) I very much love that. And I love that they've found us. I love that's amazing. And now I I have a friend that might that might like this. Cool. Great. (laughs) I love it. I love that that you brought that up. I think it's cool. And 
you have a, so, you know, you have this sort of symphony, sort of like gentler style based on heroic chord, but now you're getting ready to, you just had a successful Kickstarter for Roar to Heaven, a Blazing Him actual play. Tell us about like, you know, you have, I know you said you haven't started recording yet, but like, have you got some stuff worked out? Has there been like some session zero things behind the scenes? What's going on? Oh, not just behind the scenes. You can actually find the first half hour of our session zero on our feed. Not the first half hour, the you're, first half. You're shitting me. No. You're shitting me. You can look up the Road <laughs> to Heaven feed. There's two things in there. There's half the session zero and there's an interview with Spencer. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's stuff. That's good. It's a good interview. I had a wonderful time. And the full session zero is going to be made available to our Kickstarter backers and also to people who Mm. backed us on itch.io, which actually you can still do. The Roar to Heaven backer kit is still on my edge. So you You can still find that. Right now, as of the the airing of this episode, when that happens, and I can go and back on itch. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Listeners, you should do that. And it has, okay, my my sweetheart teased me about this. But itchbackers get an exclusive that I wrote just for them. And Kickstarter backers are also going to get an exclusive class as well. Whoa. <laughs> so, Whoa, two different exclusive classes? Amazing. My, my sweetheart definitely did tease me for doing pre-order bonuses, but well, I wanted to. And I can't be stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Roar to Heaven is going to be very different from Sword of Symphonies because we are, we had to budget ahead of time, which means we needed to know how long this podcast was going to run. So we're doing Mm -hmm. an anime season. We're doing 12 episodes, 13 episodes. Hell yeah. So we, we have, that's our time frame. We can't mess around. (laughs) We have to go at a pretty good (laughs) clip. To put out mm-hmm. listenable podcast episodes, 12. So that's something that's going to be a little bit new to me. I've been practicing by running a lot of one shots so that I can really calibrate how long combat takes in Blazing Him. Ooh, good strategy. Good I've been strategy. training for this. <laughs> <laughs> training arc. Training. Absolutely. It's, it's the funniest thing because I was in the Kickstarter and I watch a ton of idol anime. I've already mentioned this. Aikatsu is one of my favorite things. It's just complete emotional empty calories. I love it. And I'm on the treadmill just like, yes, training. Training is what I should be doing. And it took me a bit <laughs> to realize, wait, maybe I should have training that's maybe a little more applicable to what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> so I've been running one shots. And I'm lucky I've got a cast of, I accidentally cast four forever GMs. As my players. Nice. So they not only, they get the vibe because like I did a casting call. We held a party to meet the the top applicants to the casting call. And then we played one shots with the top applicants from the party to pick our cast. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so like, I'm a hundred percent confident in this cast. They've proven time and time again that they get what I'm going for and that they're perfect. So the cast of Road to Heaven is wonderful. And they're going to really help me. <laughs> they're going to help a really me be rough. Cool way to bring in, I think it's a really cool process that you did, like to 
sort of get the the second round to be like, hey, play some games with us. Play some games with like different combinations of people. Let's like keep making some new characters or keep like diving into different parts of the world. And then at the end of it, like, hey, you're my final four because you most consistently sort of like had the energy I was going for, created the characters that I'm sort of like looking for for this actual play. I think that's really fascinating. And how long did that process take? It took a couple of months because I left the casting call up for wow. a month. So, mm. but it was absolutely worth it because like at the party, we got to see how everyone gets along. We got to get to know mm-hmm. people's unique perspectives. And then when we were playing the one shots, we were like, okay, you understand the vibe. You get the vibe. You're like, you get the vibe, but your mic manners are off. So maybe not things mm-hmm. like that. And wow. Yeah, we had we had just a great time. My co-producer is Aaron Cerise from Super Idols. And because mm-hmm. if anyone understands anything magical girl adjacent, it is Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> and because Aaron's an expert. And so Aaron is I have not been able to throw anything at Aaron that she has not rolled with. Like <laughs> Aaron is just understands the tone of what we're going for so much that I can do whatever I want. I'm not going to throw Aaron for a loop at any point. I've accepted this. We have got Dylan, who is the game master of edge of the world. And they are just They live for drama. They live for messy, tortured anime drama. And they're a great counterpoint to my very kind of soft and cozy vibe because they're knives out beginning to end and you're gonna love dylan we have got kendrick from tales yet told and they are hilarious sparkling witty effervescent life of the party can turn on a dime to serious drama i witnessed it in the one shots and my mouth was open it was just like oh you went from just having a hilarious fun good time to like genuinely grappling with the theological implications of the setting oh shit (laughs) like flawlessly effortlessly kendrick's amazing we have jordan who is quiet but pictures things in such perfect detail and is capable of describing these like minute expressive gestures and like these little aspects of a scene that really bring it to life jordan is incredible so smart such a joy to play with and also, also extremely funny. So is Dylan. So is Aaron. They're all hilarious and I adore them. But they're also <laughs> capable of like turning off the funny and genuinely just like cranking the drama. And it's going to be a blast. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to hear Jordan on the upcoming and Pro Bender Avatar The Last uh, Airbender podcast. <gasps> yeah. So awesome. And you're, are you GMing this as well? Yes. I am. I've decided yes. that my, because my title for Sword of Symphonies is Host King. I just declared <laughs> myself that one day. I remember and I that. Think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think my title for for Road to Heaven is going to be Choir Master, because the enemies cool. in Road to Heaven cool. are angels. So I think yeah. that's what I'm going for. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Again, strong GM name, strong GM name. (laughs) It's got a lot of power to it. Yeah. (laughs) And so 
when do you expect to start recording? Do you, are you going to sort of like record everything, then go post, then do releases? What's sort of like the trajectory plan for the year? Well, we're going to start recording in February is our plan is to hit the mics mm-hmm. in February. I know that early, early releases is one of the Kickstarter backer rewards, which means mm-hmm. I think what we're probably going to do is we're going to build up maybe a four or five episode lead, lead time because mm-hmm. I feel more secure with large lead times and then start Love releasing it. to the Kickstarter and then maybe a couple weeks after releasing to the general feed. Cool. So if the math cool. is correct, we should be hitting feeds around end of March, April. If I'm doing this math right, okay. we'll see. Sure. And then it's going to be like a weekly or a monthly show or anything like that. Oh, that's Just a so, good you know, is it going to run sort of like April to October or something like that? Oh, I've got no idea now that I think about it. That's okay. I, I'm not here. I'm not here to put pressure on. I'm just curious because it sounds like you're doing really amazing work to try and get this show out in basically like half a year, which is a lot, especially if there's going to be posts and stuff to, that goes into it. It just sounds like you've assembled a really crack team. Oh, absolutely. Our editor is the the magnificent Kathleen of Sort of Symphonies fame, so mm-hmm. it's going to sound gorgeous. Yeah, I've. I'm not sure whether we're going to release. I'm I'm thinking weekly or biweekly because I'm cool. aiming for an hour, hour and a half episodes. Okay. So weekly or biweekly, I feel best with, but we'll see what our schedule looks like. I'll talk it over yeah. with the cast. Yeah. We still haven't decided, but it's probably not going to be monthly because our episodes are going to be a little on the short side. Sure. Sure. Either way, I think I think that's great. And it really just goes to show like how much just basically the hands that are a part of making this project are really strong, especially if you're like looking to get it out and such that I don't want to call it tight because I don't think you're doing anything. Like, I don't think you're doing anything risky. That's not what I'm trying to say. I just yeah. think it's I think maybe on an average level, I don't know if people really understand how much goes into like a really produced actual play and it's it's incredible the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes so it's it's a big applause for me for sort of your your aspirations of of the show and again that is not coded to be like i think this is hard i just yeah uh, it's very cool it's very good the beautiful thing about ap is that ap is a lot like comics you can Mm -hmm. just have a chill time and make a web comic for free and you can do that. Like you can make an AP that's just you chilling with your friends and finding your own pace and finding your own vibe and release that. And that's beautiful. You can, Mm -hmm. however, also do something that's very produced and polished and ambitious. And word of heaven is me being ambitious with it. So I'm going to see how far that (laughs) takes me. Yeah. Uh, You don't have to do a uh, Kickstarter for an AP, but we did <laughs> i guess is what i'm trying to say we did. hey i'm all for it i would love for more ap's to get crowdfunded so that all those hands get some dollars for the beautiful work they do i think it's really important yes we are approaching the top of the show but i don't want to leave without an opportunity for you to also talk a little bit about the solo but not alone bundle that you uh, wanted to bring up for the show yeah would you would you tell us a little bit more about that bundle and sort of like the the essence behind that project? Sure. Solo But Not Alone 2 is going to be running between January 9th, 2022 
and March 9th of 2022. So if you're listening to the podcast within those frames, please look it up. It is a bundle. This year's Solo But Not Alone is a bundle of 101 single player TTRPGs for 10 bucks. And the money goes to Suicide Prevention Org Jasper's Game Day. This is my second year doing this. I want to exceed last year's total. So if you're listening to this before March of 2022, please help me. Please help me beat my past self. And, you know, save lives. Keep people here. The The long story is that my demon niece, my sister's hell eldest, eldest, if you will, mm. spent her <laughs> fourth birthday making cards for me. And what that looked like was her just putting a green scribble on a piece of paper because she knows green is my favorite color. But I was so touched by this. I was like, it's your birthday. You're making things for other people. This is, uh, you're a really beautiful little person. I, I adore my niece. She's my absolute angel. She has no flaws. She's the worst and she has no flaws. I love her. <laughs> and when i describe her as a demon i'm not joking she's five now like she's like <laughs> she's a demon but at the same time like she spent a day that was meant to be all about her helping other people and i thought well i can't be outdone by a four-year-old i refuse to be outdone by a four-year-old <laughs> so when my birthday came around which is the 9th of january i decided that i was going to because it was COVID, it was locked down. It was winter, the first winter of COVID. I was like, wow, I bet a lot of people are having some serious mental health problems right about now. I kind of feel like I am because I've got a long history of mental health problems myself. Mm -hmm. So I decided to raise funds for, for Jasper's Game Day, which is a suicide prevention organization that operates in the tabletop sphere. And so thanks to my niece's example, last year we raised over $31,000 for suicide prevention, which went to education in schools. It went to kind of establishing mental health as mental health supports for kids and teens. And I thought that was freaking beautiful. I was so happy when Jasper's got back to me to tell me where the money went. And this year I'm doing it again. I love single-player TTRPGs. I fell in love with them last year when I played all the single-player TTRPGs in the bundle for racial justice and equality over the summer. I fell completely in love with the genre. I've written several since falling in love with the genre. And uh, so Solo But Not Alone is both my way of expressing my love for single-player gaming and also my way of expressing my love for mentally ill gamers and mentally ill people kind of in general. Because, God, it's rough. <laughs> it's rough out there, huh? Yeah, it's it rough. Really, is. thank you for thank you for being uh, vulnerable and sharing sharing those bits about you, and for sharing your intention behind the solo but not alone. I, I think that it's. I really think it's it's a it's beautiful. My pl- it's it's beautiful. it's my pleasure. It's I had a wonderful time doing it last year. It legitimately brought me to tears thinking about like because last year I set our initial goal for five hundred bucks, which we met almost instantly. And so there was this hilarious process where I kept setting goals and we kept meeting goals. Mm-hmm. And every time I set a goal, it turned out not to be enough, and that more and more people wanted to contribute to this. <laughs> 
And I was just continually being blown away in my conservative estimates of how much people cared. Aww. So this year, our only goal is to beat last year. And and when will that run? Until March 9th of 2022. It's running right now. Tomorrow. Running right Launch. now. I'll, I'll make sure to get this a quick turnaround then. It launched on Sunday. The 9th. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. Amazing. Well, if you listeners... If you have it within you and within your ability to do so, please, the link for this will be provided in the show notes so that you can go and support the Solo But Not Alone 2 bundle. Yeah. Uh, One of my favorite things that we did this year is I had all of the designers, when they added their games to the bundle, fill out a spreadsheet including a summary, the genres, the equipment you need for the game, and any content warnings. So there's a spreadsheet that's mm-hmm. included with the bundle that will help you find your new favorite game. That's awesome. Yeah. Very good. So do not feel what intimidated by the number 101. Yeah. Yeah. What I did the, the, I believe it was the Palestine support bundle that happened yeah. for, quite a few months ago. There are a lot of pieces in there. It's yes. hard for me to explore it on the the itch database to see everything that I've got. So <laughs> suffice uh, it to say, it would be amazing. I learned from the uh, bundle for racial justice and equality, which was a wonderful project that took in mm-hmm. a huge amount of money for bail funds, but mm-hmm. it was so huge that it was just an ocean of content to navigate. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to make it a little bit easier on people. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for the bundle. And thank you for heading that project. I'm I think genuinely, that, it is my gonna, pleasure. I Yay. think with that, we are going to call, call our show here today. Once again, Kat, thank you for being here. Would you just give a brief outro as you did your intro of where people can find you, get in touch with you, look at your beautiful works and all these links that Kat will be providing will be down below in the show notes for your access as well. Listeners. Ah, I have had a wonderful time. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. It's rare that I find people who like final fantasy 12 as much as I do. (laughs) I just love final fantasy in general. Yeah, this is, it's completely valid. My favorites are the ones everybody hates. (laughs) (laughs) i i feel similarly (laughs) i am cat i have been cat i continue to be cat after the recording is done you can find me on twitter (laughs) at catling gun that's c-a-t-l-i-n-g-g-u-n and i can't say my twitter handle without making gun noises (laughs) i've tried sorry um You can find me on the Sword of Symphonies podcast, where I am the host king. You can find the podcast and most of my games at peachgardengames.com. You can also find my games at peachgardengames.itch.io. I've written a bunch of them. We talked about a couple of them, but I've also written a bunch of solo games, including one based on my love of Monster Hunter, one explicitly based on my love of Final Fantasy VII, Oops. One based on Monster Rancher. I'm realizing a pattern here. Oh, no. 
<laughs> but and if you are listening to this before March of 2022, you can find Sola but Not Alone 2 on itch.io. You can just search Sola but Not Alone 2 and you'll find it. It is great. And if you can't afford to support us, that's all right. A retweet would be wonderful. Mentioning it to someone who likes a solo game. Literally anything you can do to help us spread the word would be beautiful of you. And if you are going through a difficult time this winter, first of all, lots of people are. Second of all, that sucks. I feel for you. And third, I'm pulling for you. So don't worry. If you can't feel better, don't worry about it. Just focus on what you got to do to get through. Okay. All right. Thank you for that, Kat. Everyone, thank you for joining us today. Listeners, I hope you learned a lot from Kat because I know I certainly did. And we will catch you in the next episode. Say bye to the people, Kat. Bye. Bye. Hey there, listeners. Thank you very much for taking the time to sit down and hang out with Kat and I. We really appreciate it. You can find links and resources down below in the show notes for getting in touch with Kat and other content with similar topics. Support Jeremy and the DYD podcast by reviewing the show, joining the community Discord server, and donating either on Patreon or Ko-fi. Thanks again for listening, and remember that design is a marathon, so enjoy the journey and have a great day. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.